one, two, three. Ladies and gentlemen, coming to you from the Spit Studios in Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada, this is the Spit Sports Show. I cannot put into words how excited I am for this. Episode one, the NFL season is coming up in less than a month. Oh, Lions making the Super Bowl. More on that in another episode, but I've learned a lot from watching the NFL for as long as I have. And one thing that I've learned is that there's always a team that we think is going to be a 6-7 win team that ends up being a playoff team or better. Last year, it was the Giants, who I didn't think were that good all year, but they did make the playoffs and win a playoff game against the number one seed. No one saw that coming. And if someone says they did, they're lying to you. But what doesn't get discussed often enough is the team that everyone thinks is a guaranteed playoff team that for one reason or another does not meet those expectations. I think back to the Broncos last year, who everyone was saying was a real threat to the Chiefs and potential Super Bowl contenders. I know it's crazy saying that now, but that was the discussion. Even the Rams last year, who in a weak NFC coming off a Super Bowl win, thought we, were, we all thought they were going to make the playoffs. Now, I know their quarterback got hurt, but they were 3-6 and six before Stafford went down. There's always a team that we think is a guarantee that just isn't. And this year, I think that team is the Baltimore Ravens. Everyone and their mom thinks the Ravens are winning at least nine games this year. And I get why on its face. Lamar is coming back healthy and happy with his new contract. The Ravens finally spent some money on weapons in the passing game, which Lamar hasn't had for the majority of his career. And the Ravens defense is always pretty good. But I think the Ravens are going to have some real issues this year. First, that defense I was talking about. Yes, it's probably going to be pretty good. But defenses in the NFL are weird that, unlike offenses, the top 10 defenses shift drastically from year to year. A top 10 defense one year could be a bottom 10 defense the next year, whereas offense, the top 10 offenses usually stay pretty consistent from year to year. The Ravens lost Calais Campbell, one of their best pass rushers, and their best corner, Humphrey, is coming off an injury. In fact, most of the Ravens' defense is coming off an injury or has some sort of injury distinction in training camp when they're supposed to be the most healthy and the most fresh. I think I read somewhere that they were the second most injured defense in the league last year. I was surprised they weren't the first, but that cannot be good for long-term sustainability on that side of the ball. But what concerns me even more is their offense. First of all, their weapons are for sure improved from last year. But with that said, they can't be put anywhere above league average. They overpaid for an aging, needy, injury-prone receiver whose last football game was the Bengals-Rams Super Bowl, which to me seems like a lifetime ago in Odell Beckham Jr. Now, from what I'm hearing, their rookie Zay Flowers is supposed to be pretty good, and they've got a great tight end. But their running back Dobbins is not a top 15 running back. They also lost their left guard and replaced him with a guy who has not played even 100 snaps in his career. But even above all of that, my biggest concern for the Ravens is their quarterback. Now, why do I say that? For his entire career, Lamar's offensive coordinator has been Greg Roman, who along with Kyle Shanahan is probably the best at consistently scheming run games, regardless of personnel. The Ravens had 43 straight, 43 straight games. I can't get over that. 
where as a team, they rushed for over 100 yards. That is tied with the 70s Steelers for the most ever. In 2023, where teams are throwing the ball more than ever, the Ravens almost snapped a 50-year-old rushing record with Greg Roman as their OC. Now, I say all of that to say this. With the running game being so potent, what that did was force defenders playing Lamar to commit, defenses playing Lamar to commit more defenders to the box. So they could stop the read option smash mouth run game. And even with that scheme and all of the attention on the run game, Lamar was still not even an above average passer last year. He was 26th in completion percentage, 16th in passer rating, and get this, 35th in passing yards per game behind the likes of the immortal Andy Dalton, Zach Wilson, and Sam Darnold. If the Ravens are going to run the offense, they are reportedly going to run a modern, mainly passing offense with Lamar throwing from the pocket. I simply don't think it's going to work. Lamar has such a unique skill set. Putting that skill set in a conventional offense does not make sense to me. With less defenders in the box and more attention to the outside passing game than ever before, I can't imagine Lamar's passing numbers going up. I think the Ravens are an 8-9 win team this year, fighting for a wild card spot and probably not getting it because the AFC is more loaded than it's ever been in my life. Staying in that AFC and in the AFC North, Joe Montana 3.0 had a non-contact calf injury in camp the other day, Joe Burrow. Originally, the media thought it was going to be pretty bad, but it turned out to only be a calf strain, which is the best case scenario for an injury like that. Probably going to keep him out two to four weeks, uh, but calf strains are a weird injury, so it could be longer than that, depending on the severity and how he handles the pain. Not that big of a deal, but this almost assuredly takes him out for the entirety of preseason. This was honestly a nothing story to me until on the case Jamar Chase decided to open his mouth telling the media this about the injury. Quote, I told them that with all honesty, I don't want him there. Same thing with me last year. I sat out an extra game just to let my hip all the way heal up, and you don't want to cause no other problems. Later on in the season, I told him as long as you're there after week five and on, we're good, brother. End quote. Yeah, that's all well and good if you're a wide receiver or a DB or any position besides that position. I started, I really started thinking after I read these comments, why the hell would he say something like that? So I took a look at their schedule and everything became crystal clear. In their first five weeks, the Bengals play one team that is objectively a tough game. They play the Ravens in week two. And... As mentioned in the previous topic, I don't think the Ravens are a juggernaut this year. The other four games are against the Browns, Rams, who could be okay, but they lost some pieces, the Titans, and the Cardinals. It's the lightest opening schedule of any team that I've seen this year. But here's what I think Jamar is missing. Obviously, there are no easy games in the NFL, but four of those five games should be Bengals wins if they have their franchise quarterback, Jamar. I know you think your team is a juggernaut. You and that dumb Mike Hilton did a lot of talking last year, calling Arrowhead Burrowhead and waving your pom-poms all around because you made it to, not even not even one, a Super Bowl. You made it to one. And last year, Mahomes sent you home on one ankle with a bottom three receiving core. You would think that a loss like that would humble this team a little bit, but no, now their second best player is making comments saying that even with their backup quarterback, they will be all good. No, you won't be. 
if Trevor Simeon, your backup, is starting for the first five games, I think the Bengals win two of those at best. They probably beat the Cardinals, whose whole season's about trying to stink, and probably beat the Browns. But even the Browns, we don't know how good Deshaun's going to be with a full offseason and training camp under his belt. And the Bengals have always struggled against the Browns since Burrow's been there. Now, it's reported that in all likelihood, Burrow is the week one starter and none of this happens, but I think this shows a bigger problem for the Bengals. In my mind, they are a more talented version of the Minnesota Timberwolves. They have all the potential in the world, but as a team, they're just a bit silly. Don't get me wrong. I think confidence is a good thing, but when it gets to the point of calling the NDP Stadium Burrowhead and telling the media they will be all good with Trevor Simeon at quarterback, it makes me start to question the culture of that team at least a little bit. Eli Apple was an awful football player for years, but I didn't hear a word out of him until he got to the Bengals. As soon as he joins that culture, he's calling Tyree Kill a baby and asking McCole Hardman of the Chiefs if he wants Super Bowl tickets after the Bengals beat the Chiefs. There is something, something in the Cincinnati culture that isn't conducive to winning. And when the AFC is as loaded as it's ever been, you need every edge you can get. Every little thing is a huge thing when the margins for error are razor thin. What did Patrick Mahomes say in his quarterback documentary when he was asked if he wanted to play the Bengals or the Bills? He said the Bengals because they've been talking so much SH. The best teams in this league are the most boring and quiet off the field. Think about the Patriots for their 20-year dynasty. You didn't hear a peep out of them. Think about the Chiefs now, or the 49ers now, or the Eagles now. I think the Bengals need to think about that. Anyways, that concludes our first episode of the Spit Sports Show in the new studio. Thank you guys so much for watching. If you enjoyed what you heard today, please like, share, and subscribe this episode. The Spit Show comes at you three times a week. And until next time, thank you all so much for watching.